Welcome back to Mark's Madness. <laughs> We're doing it again. We're doing, We're doing it, it again. again. You can't stop us. You tried and you failed. No. The 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 assassins didn't get in this time. No, no. Um, we're back. We're back. Uh, for you, this has been but a moment. Uh, yes. For us, it's been, uh, you know, a week or so, a little it's, over a week and a half. Surprisingly a large amount of time. Well, well, yeah, it's been about a week and a half since we did a collab. And yeah. then, uh, and then yeah. before that, it was about a week. It's been, we were getting like all ahead, like a nice little cash. No, we weren't. And, we were just getting. Um, we were whopping like two weeks ahead. Yeah. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't good though, because then we missed stuff and then things happened. I'm, yeah. I'm, there's oh, a certain amount God. of. Oh my God. The world. A lot of a lot of the world has been happening. Uh, well, yeah, the world keeps happening, but that's not what you're here for. If you wanted to, be, if you want the world to happen, you'd go somewhere else. You're here to read a goddamn book, and I'm here to support we, you. We are, we are here to read it, read a goddamn book. Although, I mean, I will say, um, before we go into it, um, in the Saturday news, of course, the uh, oh, the you. chop got overrun. Yes, um, yes, it did, and there are mm-hmm. nuanced and complex emotions to that that everyone is allowed mm-hmm. to have. And uh, absolutely, I'm going to let those. I mean, we should. We're going to we should this. use it. We're going to date this yeah. by saying the chop got overrun two days ago. Um, yeah, but I, I would, I think we're going to withhold any sort of uh, retrospective there's, analysis of the chop for a whole for a little. I bit. I was going to say there's there's complex emotions, there's complex analysis, there's definitely lessons to be learned. Uh, but we're not going to gut through what those lessons are right here right now because there hasn't been much time for reflection for us and because we're we're here for a book and well and also because neither of us were there so we really have no 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 material experience with what happened so i'll wait we'll wait till we get all those stories put together and figure out what's going Mm -hmm. on and then we'll god willing we can find it would be really cool if we could find some people that were there um because i would love to have some people that were were on the ground and then read through like paris commune or something like that and do some comparative analysis i think that'd be fun yes but uh but these are the sorts of things that we ponder for another day today today ladies and gentlemen we get to go forward in a chapter and as if the voice is here to mock us for that choice by moving forward a chapter (laughs) we move on to looking backward because dr du bois is nothing if not a man with a sense of irony i guess (laughs) <laughs> looking back we're starting on page 128 chapter six i know how chapter numbers mm-hmm. work roman numerals don't scare me <laughs> how the planters having lost the war for slavery sought to begin again where they left off in 1860 merely substituting for the individual ownership of slaves a new state serfdom of black folk this is gonna be upsetting isn't it yeah i mean we're we're through uh, the part where you know black people basically take this godforsaken situation uh, where you know everyone from you know Lincoln to Grant to the moderate Republicans in the North were two-time only Daytona fighting 500 champion Jeff Davis to <laughs> champion Jeff Davis we're fighting over whether or not um, you know a very slavery rampant economy was going to break off or whether the union was held together but none of them really wanted to see the abolition of slavery and then slaves. T- seizing the moment to free themselves, force their hand. Yep. Um, but slaves did not completely overrun the government. It was a very, very powerful uh, government. They didn't take over the United States. They just made the United States abolish slavery. Um, and so now we kind of know that bad things were coming. That that was not news. And uh, Du Bois has made sure we knew this is the time that starts with his, you know, extremely long subtitle. Oh, well, as, as is tradition. You have to have the extreme. Mm, as is tradition. The young Southern fanatic who murdered Abraham Lincoln 
said, according to the New York Times, April 21st, 1865, this country was formed for the white, not the black man. And looking upon African slavery from the standpoint held by the noble framers of our Constitution, how many times does that phrase get thrown about uh, every day of the week these days on Twitter? (laughs) Fuck. I, for one, have ever considered it of the greatest blessing, both for themselves and us, that God ever bestowed upon a favored nation. Witness heretofore our wealth and power. Witness their elevation and enlightenment above their race elsewhere. Uh, I'm going to get through this quote before I stop. I have lived among it most of my life and have seen less harsh treatment from master to man than I have beheld in the north from father to son. Yet heaven knows no one would be willing to do more for the Negro race than I could I but see a way to still better their condition. But Lincoln's policy is only preparing the way for their total annihilation. I feel like it's relevant to bring up in that moment that, uh, who was some shitty uh, BBC gentleman, some some garbage UK historian? Um, sure, uh, came. Someone was uh, bringing receipts to Twitter of them. Uh, the guy literally said, "And someone will find." I'll I'll see if I can find a reference for it. But it, I, I promise me, there was a video of him saying that slavery wasn't a genocide against black people because if that was the case and this is full in quotes now why are there so many goddamn blacks in europe and britain the guy said that (sighs) slavery can't be considered genocide because there are again so many goddamn this is a fucking historian that goes on the bbc with like credentials yep how is that like saying, well, th- the Holocaust wasn't a genocide. If you looked at Hollywood, look at the Jews. Like how th- that is literally <laughs> the same level of statement. And yet this dude is just like yeah. allowed to be on the BBC. Like, yeah, well, and this is this is nothing new because, I mean, all you got to do is, is you've got to have, you know, chummies in high places and you've got to say things that that flatter power. Right. And you flatter power and you have Ooh. some official them like, look, I got a degree. Look, I'm totally not a lobbyist and used to be a uh, military general. You know, look, I'm I'm, you know, a, a police spokesperson or, or an ex district attorney or current district attorney or something like that. And all of a sudden you get on the news, you know, I'm a small business owner. As long as you flatter power and you have some official them that they could point to and go, look, this this is a beacon of truth. This is an expert. That's- right. Then. Then you get on the news. That's that's always been the case, and this is just a glaring example of that. These are the kind of historians that put forth things that Du Bois has to counter with this book. Um, put forth things that we've talked about in in other books with you know, say you know former Soviet history, Chinese history, um, what the actual struggle is against Israel and Palestine, uh, the U.S. history. That these are the kind of historians that'll say like, oh, most indigenous people die of disease. As if, like, disease epidemics are not man-made. Not just in the sense that we see the pandemic right now, uh, like, but also in the sense on, of, hold like... Hold on, with man-made pandemic, David. You're getting real close to Wuhan virus right now. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of any of that. <laughs> you walk that back, good sir. Oh, I, I, was, I was directly talking about uh, the U.S. management I, the, for capital. Yes. But not even just in that sense, but also in, like, the, you know, Yemen. Yemen is a genocide mm-hmm. now, and most people there are dying of the historic biggest break outbreak of cholera why is that happening because of a genocidal blockade and a genocidal bombing yep. but if you go oh most of them aren't dying from bombs they're dying from cholera that doesn't mean they're not being genocided yeah, it doesn't right? mean it's not part of the same concerted effort 
Right, exactly. And and you saw the same thing in the Americas. You know, I mean, there was political sabotage against existing democracies. I, I don't know how many times I have to say, you know, America got its ideas from democracies. That's how Cortez like toppled the Aztecs was from, you know, shaky democratic relations. Um, they shot them. They they put them to slave labor. They cut off their limbs. Uh, and, and all that spreads disease, let alone what and it, it's written off as, oh, they had diseases on them coming from Europe and disease just killed most of the indigenous people. I mean, these are the kind of fucking historians we listen to. Yeah. So, uh, so fuck them. And, uh, and more importantly, I don't feel like we got to do it thoroughly. Fuck John Wilkes Booth. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. No, don't, be, don't <laughs> let's not get it clear guys. I'm not a fan of Linko. We have established my deep, deep dislike of Linko. <laughs> uh, just because Wilkes did us a favor and rid us of Linko does not make Wilkes good. Two bad people can exist and, and come into conflict. This is an example of that. Um, yeah, the that's, South that's had risked war to protect this system of labor and to expand it into a triumphant empire. And even if all the Southerners did not agree with this broader program, even the these had risked war in order to ward off the disaster of a free labor class, either white or black. Yet they failed. Just a reminder, guys. They failed. Failures. Four years and a failure. Not something to be proud. That's like most college students that I went to college with. Like you don't you don't celebrate that. Um the South Yet they had failed. After a whirlwind of battles in which the South had put energy, courage, and skill, and most of their money in the face of inner bickerings and divided councils, jealousy of leaders, indifference of poor whites, and the general strike of black labor, they had failed in their supreme effort and now found themselves with much of their wealth gone, their land widely devastated, and some of it confiscated, their slaves declared free, and their country occupied by a hostile army. The South faced all sorts of difficulties. The hostilities, military and naval, had practically destroyed the whole commercial system of the South and reduced the people to a pitiable, primitive, almost barbaric level. That is that is to be noted. I mean, we, mm-hmm. for for to use a uh, too often used term, we we literally the the North. I say as the we, the royal we, that took yeah. the South back to the Stone Age. I mean, they literally just ripped everything that they had done out from underneath them and, 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 and to set be them fair, back. i mean it was it was a total war against an yes. agrarian society yes at the time that the agrarian workers were seizing the opportunity to rebel and fight along the north i mean what was gonna be left no it's a hundred percent that was it um but that does set the table for what's about to come next it has been said that the ru- ruining of the planting class in the south through war was more complete than the destruction of the nobility and clergy in the French Revolution. I fully believe that. The very foundation mm-hmm. of the system was shattered. Interesting discussion, interesting use of terms there. Base, <laughs> super, yeah. All right, I see what you're doing, Du Bois. Yeah. I know you're not doing it, but I see what you're doing. There was, at the end of the war, no civil authority with power in North and South Carolina. Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, and Texas. And in other states, authority was only functioning in part under Congress or the president. The northern soldiers were transported home with provisions for their comfort and often with royal welcomes, while southern soldiers walked home in poverty and disillusioned. Lands had deteriorated because of failure to use fertilizers. The marketing of the crops was difficult, and the titles to land and crops was disputed. Government officials seized much of the produce, and the cotton tax of three cents a pound bore hard upon the planters. A boo-a-hoo. Yeah. The mortality of the whites was so great in the decade following 1865 as to be a matter of common remark. That is that is wild. That feels like the uh, 
what's the phrase used for the the market decline in the post Soviet when the Soviet Union collapsed, where like people like oh oh the fifteen years of sadness yeah like where everyone like people got physically shorter because like it literally was so physically taxing life expectancy on dropped by like over a decade yeah immediately and, like and you could see physical, every consecutive year for 15 years it was you horrible. saw like yeah. physical evidence of like, like in real time like evolution just like clamping down on a group of people that yeah. were uh that were, were coming back under capitalism yeah it was it was an unbelievably steep decline in life expectancy quality of life i mean just unheard of yeah when a right and just cause loses men suffer but men also suffer when a wrong cause loses. Suffering thus in itself does not prove the justice or injustice of a cause. That is a very profound statement right there. Just like in an yeah, off really, way. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I, I, please, God, Du Bois, uh, let's, let's frame that up. If, if we'd have read that, I'm still damn happy we read Wretched of the Earth, but chapter one would have got a lot faster because we would just, yeah, Du Bois said that. Yeah, no, that was that was good. We're going to do that one more time. So when a right, cause, right and just cause loses, men suffer. But men also suffer when a wrong cause loses. Suffering thus in itself does not prove the justice or injustice of a cause. Mm-hmm. Good work, Du Bois. It always, however, points a grave moral. Certainly, after the war, no one could restrain his sorrow at the destruction and havoc brought upon the whites. Least of all were the Negroes unsympathetic. Perhaps never in the history of the world have victims given so much of help and sympathy to their former oppressors. Just every turn, they are the better people. Every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, yet the most pitiable victims of the war were not the rich planters, but the poor workers. Not the white race, but the black. Naturally, the mass of the planters were bitterly opposed to the abolition of slavery. First, they based their opposition upon a lifelong conviction that free Negro Negro labor could not be made profitable. The New Orleans Picayune said July 8th, 1862, in sober earnest, we say and we believe all who know anything from observation or experience will corroborate our assertion that this is an absolute impossibility. There could be no full crop produced under that system. The earlier processes might be performed in a manner and to some extent, but the latter and more arduous, those upon the prompt performance of which depends the production of any crop at all, would be slighted, if not indeed entirely lost. The thriftless, thoughtless Negro would jingle his last month's wages in the planter's face and tell him to do the rest of the work himself. He would be right in doing so, uh, Nathan's aside, but he didn't do that. Look at Jamaica, Barbados, Antigua, and the other British West Indies where this experiment is having a most suggestive trial. Hmm. I, I love how we've already uh, entered into the uh, lazy Jamaican racist trope. So early and so well. Yes, let's look at the place. No time. Let's look at that place where they were literally working people to death under the assumption that they would just replace them with cheaper labor upon their return. Let's look at that as our great example of whether or not the system can be made to work. Right, and people suddenly don't work themselves to death and, and they're, they're lazy asses or yeah. whatever. Yeah, basically because they're not giving you their profits. Yes, and it's almost like when, you, when you're when you go back to working a normal like this this wildly exploitive system of like cash cropping is not a sustainable system under any method and that that the mere fact that it is not sustainable is not the fault of the workers but the fault of you trying to extract more resources out of the earth than is humanly possible without killing people yeah this is very literally the precursor to if i people pay people a living wage i'd go out of business yes 
No, it's ex- it's, it's 100% much. that. It's if I didn't work people to death, I'd go out of business. It's mm-hmm. it's just the more stark variant. It's terrifying. Right. And you could see it, I mean explicitly, it's not that they didn't work hard in the time to earn their money. It's not that this, you know, planter doesn't have some opportunity to earn his money. That doesn't even cross their mind. No. All they think about is profiting off it. And they say that, you know, the Negro would jingle last month's wages at him. Like, how dare he have enough to happily survive and not mire in my servitude? Yeah. It's just appalling. It, 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 and again, it's it's just a historical. It goes in the face of mm-hmm. everything that we just saw in the last chapter of how yeah. how every black worker was it, it universally lauded as the most industrious, the most mm-hmm. the most you know thoughtful, the most uh, attentive to the work that they were doing, and sacrificed more for the common good than than white people could even fathom was possible. But you're still going to keep hammering right. this trope that just got proven false, and that makes sense. I mean, because they're not expecting to dehumanize a class below them and have everything handed to them. Yep. You know, but again, you know, expecting fair pay and expecting not being enslaved to these people that want everything handed to them is the other person apparently wanting everything handed to them. That's the, they, the point they of that ideology. They only understand it as a zero-sum game. They cannot yeah. fathom any other circumstance. Or someone, they have to ex- someone has to be lazy, um, and it's their right to be lazy. And if someone who is right it isn't to be lazy dares to be lazy, then then how how could they? And They're we, ta- evil, we right? talked about that. That is built into this. Yeah. That has to be there because if you were to remove that and go, well, maybe they're not lazy, then you have to reckon with the concept that, oh my God, I've been enslaving other human beings, and that sort of mental schism would rip a normal human being apart. Mm-hmm. So that's your yeah. defense. That's a, It's a defense mechanism. That's all it is. It's, an, it's a, I have to think this, otherwise I have to reckon with my own shittiness, and I don't want to do that, because, uh, come on, I'm a white person. We don't do that. Um, <laughs> please, the Texas Republican. Yes, please talk about the Texas Republican, because I don't want to. Uh, a weekly newspaper said the ruinous effects of freeing four million of ignorant and helpless blacks would not be confined to the South, but the blight would be communicated to the North, and the time would come when the people of that section would be glad to witness a return to a system attended with more philanthropy and happiness to the black race. This is just getting fucking disgusting. You wonder why I didn't want then, to read this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then the one they seem determined to establish. For they will find that the compulsory labor affords larger crops and a richer market for Yankee manufacturers. I the love their assumption. Were, oh, no, no. Keep going. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The masters were advised, therefore, not to turn their slaves loose to become demoralized, but to maintain a kind of protecting care over them. Just that assumption that, of course, these people will think the same way I do because they'll, uh, they're obviously – now, again – we know the North is only in it for profit and that that is their main motivation, yeah. but they've also figured out how to work their way. They're doing the fun dem thing where they figure out how to triangulate performative wokeness within their own system of constant oppression. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this is old as time, right? Yes. It goes you, – you rear back to old school colonialism and it's we're civilizing them, right? Yes. We're, we're teaching them. We're lifting them up. And then it's the slavery and it's we're taking care of them. We're like father figures. We're family. We're not horribly exploiting them. They, they want to work for us and we'll we'll care for them with our tender hearts. They need us. And even if they and, don't want to work know, for us, we're doing what's best for them because we know better right. than these people. Right. And then, you know, now today, of course, that translates when the, you look at, say, you know, a country where you want to extract the, all the resources uh, into, you know, we're saving them from their tyrannical government where we're freeing them, we're liberating them, giving them freedom and democracy, you know, and it's it's all the same mindset because that's the mindset of colonialism. And these are how colonialism works. You have to 
want to conquer the earth for your own personal financial gains. You have to pour all of your labor into conquering, and that takes very little labor and a lot of brutality. Um, and then, of course, to, to reap those benefits, you have to, to siphon resources, you have to maintain control and dehumanize other people, and you have to expect labor because, I mean, we've talked about, I don't know how many times, labor theory of value. Yeah. Right. You have to get those raw materials out of that earth. So you have to control the raw materials, control the means of production, and you have to have people mine them out of the earth. You have to have these slaves that, that make your cash crops and, you know, mine stuff out of out of, uh, you know, caverns and caves and, and God knows what, you know, chop, bog down the trees, whatever it is. Um, and, and so that that's colonialism in a nutshell. And you look at uh, contemporary example, they were talking about it today because they're we're we're in the phase where they're talking about doing another uh, uh pittance style stimulus that will be would be laughable mm-hmm. at any other uh you know <laughs> developed right. nation in the world um but but we're gonna do it because we have to otherwise people will die and you know, we, we kind of need to keep some people alive to vote for us in november um and they're talking about one of the things they want to do desperately is roll back the six hundred dollars in a, a week in welfare they want to roll that back to like 250 or 300. And the ar- only Jesus argument they Christ. make for it, the only argument they will make for it is they say that it will encourage people who have lost their jobs to go find other jobs. What are you talking Ugh. about? What? Yeah. What lot? So your assumption is that, 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 that you need to push people that people don't want to work. So they have this base level assumption that people don't want to work. Now, they, which is, which is, I mean, nobody wants to be exploited, but everybody has to work and and wants you know the independence of a good job and would right? prefer more more than. A, I don't know a single person. I'd prefer would pref- working a crappy job and making you know twelve hundred dollars a week to making six hundred dollars a week, not doing jack shit or something. You know, even right? Then, I mean, even then, I, it, it, the st- un, the instability of that system, the the level of yeah. existential dread of is this going to run out next week and am I going to be out of the three. The concept that these people are just not looking for a job because I'm paying them, I'm being too benevolent to them with my yeah. with my charity that I'm giving them. It's it's all rooted in the same thing that that people are inherit that this subclass and now the subclass they're not even doing they're they're, they're I mean I'm sure they're dog whistling uh, you know people of color black indigenous people more than anyone oh, else but 100 they're yeah. doing it to the whole population in this sense of. Well, no, if they really wanted to work, they'd have found a job by now. Fuck the fact that we're in a fucking pandemic that's shutting down things Which, off and on every couple weeks, give or take on our whims. And it's just insanity. This has been the right wing, the Josh, uh, the John Stossel argument since the Reagan days. This has been the right wing language adopted for Clinton. This is the stuff that Pelosi runs on. This is the stuff that, that Clinton is, is or Clinton is uh, Trump is open about. Um, this, this is, you know, I mean, this is bipartisan again, you know, uh, the quote, uh, from, um, Julius, uh, Nereri, America is a one party state that just has <laughs> typical <laughs> it, American extravagance has two, two parties. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the same thing. This is, this is what neoliberalism is versus liberal neoliberalism is not a separate ideology. Okay. Neoliberalism is the ideology of liberalism put back into action after workers gains it's just a stage of liberalism it's the evolution it's the dialectical it's the dialectical answer to what happens when regular classical liberalism meets the forces that oppose it it's the evolution that you have two options to to resolve that conflict neoliberalism is one socialism is another yeah i mean that's why some people go that's why that's why people go that person's a neoliberal like 
uh, that person's a liberal and <laughs> you don't need another word. Right. I mean, to me, that's why it's along the lines of where, like, I don't like the word leftist. Like you're a communist or an anarchist or you're not and shut up, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, same thing, but that's what neoliberalism is. It's, it's writing this stuff away. And it's amazing because a, a big subject now is prison abolition. And mm-hmm. a big part about prison abolition, and people tend to focus on, and it is a big deal. You should be very, very aware of prison labor as slave labor within the prison industrial complex. Yes. But it takes an enormous amount of the focus. And the problem is, is prison is more about controlling, um, <coughs> controlling against you know political uprising, controlling racialized populations to uphold white supremacy and colonialism, controlling. Um, uh, I can't think of it. Unemployed um, surplus labor force, surplus labor force, controlling the surplus labor force in the lumpen proletariat. Yeah. That's the stuff that the prison is really for controlling. And so most of it is torturous conditions and isolation and solitary confinement and very, very little of it. The problem even is the prison labor. And that's a, in and of itself is just an absolutely enormous problem that needs to be abolished. Yeah. And they'll talk about prison labor. And of course, you know, I mean, to us, I mean, even as as communists, we agree at some point labor can be rehabilitative. I mean, people want to connect oh, labor, yeah. but it can't be alienated labor. Yeah. You know, because and, and alienation what, of labor causes social can problems. Can you think of a more alienated – I cannot I, – like, I think if you sat somewhere Working down and tried 10 to – 10 cents an hour for God knows what chicken you, feather pulling company. Exactly, yeah, I if mean, you tried to craft a more alienating form of mm-hmm. labor than prison labor producing the same style of goods that are produced outside of prison, but for – unlivable insultingly low the slavery Most of which you wages. have no access to because ne- you know you can't get your own hand sanitizer you can't buy fast food from the burger patties you're making all of this none stuff, of it you know it is you're the most putting alienating out forest fires form of for labor mansions ever. yeah and it's something I mean, that it, they know you can't rebel they know you can they can only do it because again you look at what conditions they would, would they would impose if they had their will if they had complete mm-hmm. control over you this is what they would impose because this is what yeah. they can get away with in like there there's that's the base level and that's what they would go to yeah. if they could Oh, absolutely. And so when you look at that, I, you hear the arguments about that and there's this benevolence. Oh, they want to work. Oh, they want to work. And if you walked up to any prisoner, yeah, they take work in over solitary confinement. They take getting the hell out of there. The question shouldn't be, oh, I'm benevolent. This is a great thing. They want to work. It should be like, if that is what they're pining for, how bad are the conditions they're trying to escape? Mm-hmm. You have the same thing with the unemployment checks, right? If if someone and again you talked about you really don't want to it's it's something that could end any time insecurity uh, but if someone is happy to sit at home like going nuts bored out of their mind on a pittance on six hundred dollars you know a week because they're getting paid enough to stay home how little are they getting paid all the time how shitty and unnecessary is their job yep. and that's what you should be asking but instead it's this benevolence and and oh the the kiddos are misbehaving again and they need to get in line. And really all it means is they're just wanting to cut. They want it. They want the state to be more Raleigh. What, it, what it, it is intended to be. You know, I mean, this is where we really get into, you know, what is liberalism versus conservatism to the point that, that they do split, that it does matter. You know, the biggest thing we need to understand is they're the same thing. They're the ruling class. It's all on the same side. The whole two party you know system is a sham, but obviously there is some 
actual material difference within those parties because there's going to be inside conflict. And the ideological difference is, you know, conservatives are open about, you know, what is the state about? Well, it's about cops and the military and, and suppressing you and that's it. It's about serving the ruling class and and everything that doesn't explicitly serve the ruling class is red tape and you need to get over it and get out of their way and how dare you demand being a human being. And liberals you know, the state can be overall oppressive. Its entire existence can be to hold you down. Even the concessions are mostly to suppress uprisings and can easily get ripped away later, including largely by liberals. Uh, but liberals, the left idea within that state is actual just straight up belief in the institutions. You know, police are the good guys there to protect you. So if they have to ask you permission before murdering you in cold blood because they warned you, you know, that. To, to the Republicans, like, warning you is red tape. You deserve to die. A cop knows better. How dare you stand up to them? And and the Democrats are like, oh, you know, that's 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 uncouth. You know, I mean, p- police should still be there to shoot you. I mean, they're saving us from the bad guys. It's a genuine belief in the institution that the state is good and no examination of the effects of it or who it really serves. They just see the state as as a benevolent tool with no ideology, like a totally neutral tool. That being said, if you do not look at at what so again they're 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 talking about their next round of stimulus and and McConnell and them and, and Trump and them they're all very eager to mm-hmm. get large direct payments into people's hands, which on its face seems like okay that's a reasonable response to this. Yeah. Now I may just be brain poisoned, and it's very possible. <laughs> but every time I see McConnell coming out and doing this, a thing you know he doesn't want to do. Yeah, it's like we're. <laughs> I just keep imagining the very drop the other shoe. I keep imagining the very end of Doctor Strange Love, mm. where the good doctor is explaining that well, no, we're gonna kill all of the population, but but we're all gonna go to this bunker underground afterwards, and then we can do exactly what it is we want to do. Really, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, one man to every twelve women. The, the whole speech he gives. And they're all very excited about that by the end. And that's how I'm imagining McConnell is, because I know for a fact he's going, hmm, we gave people $4 trillion, quote unquote, to eject into the economy. I can absolutely spin that as we need to be responsible and pay that money back. How many things can I cut to make that happen? Cha-ching! I got reelected and and I got my money. And he's not going to get any resistance because no. Nancy Pelosi is going to get her Pete Peterson kicking in and going, oh, my God, the debt. The debt. Oh, she's no, we care about it. this all of a sudden. No, yeah. we care because it's a time. I mean, again, there it is. You know, I mean, she genuinely the, the debt was always an obvious talking point. And, and Republicans know that it's a pile of bullshit. And all they're doing is trying to put money back in the wealthy's pockets yeah. and, 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 you know, leave the, the lump and proletariat and unemployed in an absolute shambles. So they're desperate to work for crap. Right. Um, it's taking the power away from the people. And Pelosi hears that and goes, Oh no, the debt's a real concern. We should genuinely care but about that's the that. Thing. And she, any point she, she doesn't, she's more married to the bullshit than Republicans. And she'll she's lose it married. because again, Dems are yeah. so incompetent that, so the Republicans, when they hold office, do not give a fuck about debt. You never hear one con, one talk about a debt ceiling or anything like that. It goes away mm-hmm. because they know how to play the fucking game. They play it well. They're playing yeah. to win. They understand right. what they're doing because they're doing it right. like mask off. They're just doing exactly what they need to do. So they don't talk about it at all. They don't give a shit. So now after this happens, one of two things will happen. Either Democrats will win the White House, 
but not take back the the Senate or anything like that. They're not going to do anything crazy like that. Um, and then the other option would be that they win and they just keep going forward. So if they win and they keep everything, they still won't talk about the debt. But the second a Democrat got in, then they can go back to their their deficit hawk thing and no Absolutely. one will call them on it. Because Nancy Pelosi Absolutely. has – none of the Dems have any interest in like actually playing hardball or sticking to a tactic. So they can't use it against the Republicans when they want to. And when they don't want to, the Republicans just go off and do whatever they want anyway. It's, they're, they're literally the most incompetent group of human beings I have ever encountered. And that doesn't make sense. So the only other option is they are literally just complicit in it because they don't care and they know it just keeps the status quo going. And that's all they really give a fuck about. And again, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure it's a mixture of both. It's it's like where you talk about and, and Parenti puts it really good uh, where people talk about, oh, what do you think? They just they they meet in a little room and they just come up with all these, you know, conspiracies and plot. And he's like, yes, what else, where else are they going to do it? You know, I mean, it, it like, it cracks me up because it's completely right, but it's not like everyone is in on it. Like, you know, most of these, you know, uh, conspiracies like knock down official U S enemies or, you know, use neutral language against cops or stuff like that. It's just, most of them are just people that like respect cops as their good buddy, buddy source that tells them the truth, or they see, you know, some new NGO that says for rights and democracy. And they're like, Oh, they actually do care, you know, <laughs> but to some degree, there's of course a bunch of them that smell bullshit. Yeah. And, and it's kind of back to the angles on authority that the either, or, but it doesn't matter which one, right. Yeah. Is either, either the Democrats genuinely are the stupidest politicians on earth or they know it's bullshit. And where Republicans are, are married to being open about their goals and reaching them as ruthlessly as possible. Democrats are married to maintaining all the systems that let them reach the goals. And maybe they're actually the more politically competent ones. And more likely it's a mixture of both. You are either dumb or you are awful. Shout out to the discord that I swatted. (laughs) <laughs> nice. but it really is nice. what it breaks down and that is really where it breaks down they are either you mm-hmm. have to either accept that they are the most incompetent human beings on earth or they're yeah. horrible and pick yeah. which one you like but either one right. isn't great they're there and there's no way they're like neutrally you know equal to republicans or just morally better uh or anything like that they're either idiots or they're just as evil but they're more competent mm-hmm. and they understand those systems give them power that's it yeah that's what it breaks down to. Yep. So this has been our it, fun diversion into current events and, uh, and our, our usual derailment. David, do you want to keep reading? Yes. In addition to this, it was said that even if the free Negro labor miraculously proved profitable, Negroes themselves were impossible as freemen, neighbors, and citizens. They could not be educated and really civilized. And beyond it, if a free, educated black citizen and voter could be brought upon the stage, this would in itself be the worst conceivable thing on earth, worse than shiftless, unprofitable labor, worse than ignorance, worse than crime. It would lead inevitably to a mulatto South and eventual ruin of all civilization. Again, this should be very familiar from the open white supremacist David Duke types. This has not changed in decades upon decades upon decades. 
This was a natural reaction for a country educated as the South had been, and that the mass of planters passionately believed it is beyond question, despite difficulties of internal logic, even the fact that some thought free Negro labor was practicable, and many knew perfectly well that the least some Negroes were capable of education and even of culture, these stood like a rock wall against anything further, against Negro citizens, against Negro voters, against any societal recognition of politics, religion, or culture. So again, you know, I mean, some of them knew that that the, the black people are too stupid and below you is bullshit, but it was an affront, you know. Yeah. It's it's like the people that are, are more offended when you call them racist. Some of them are genuinely offended because I think it's like the ultimate slight and not like, oh my god, we've got to actually look at these systems and fix them. And other people know it's a bunch of bullshit, but they just don't want to be called racist and drug through the mud. They they want to go on consequence free and they're they're you know offended that you would dare bring consequences upon them, however minor. Yeah. Um the poor whites, on the other hand, were absolutely at sea. The Negro was to become apparently their fellow laborer, but were the whites to be bound to the black laborer by economic condition and destiny, or rather the black, or the, rather the white planter by community of blood? Almost unanimously, following the reaction of such leaders as Andrew Johnson and Hinton Helper, Helper that, that, Hinton Helper Hinton Helper is not a real name. That's not a real person. That, they don't exist. That is made up. That is one of those fun Du Bois pranks yeah. that he plays where he inserts a person that didn't <laughs> exist. That that is like the hamburger helper of owning hotel. I was about or to go know. to hit I was about to go to a hamburger helper reference and I couldn't figure out how to make it happen. So I'm appreciating yeah. that you got it in there. The poor white clung frantically to the planter and his ideals. Oh, of course. And although Ignorant and impoverished, maimed and discouraged, victims of a war fought largely by the poor white for the benefit of the rich planter, they sought to regress by demanding unity of white against black, and not unity of poor against rich, or of worker against exploiter. Again, this, the United States, I know it's not, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it without doing like US exceptionalism, because it's not that, but the conditions here are fucking weird. This is stupid. There's nothing that makes sense about that last fucking statement. Like, nothing at all. It's, it's no, dumb, but and I don't that's like the it. Product, that's the product of settler colonialism. And what makes the United States unique was not only the level of, of exploitation and chattel slavery that, that stood above everywhere else, uh, but it's one of the few settler colonies that have a dominant uh, dominant demographic where there's more white people mm, okay. than say black people or yeah. you know the only other exceptions are australia new zealand canada and i mean let's face it they're not without some no and they either. do and they do essentially the same. Um, they always do they are basically doing essentially australia is just america yeah. five years behind i'm every time yeah. oh, they yeah. are they're 100 america but five years on delay right. so they're they're equally right. racist canada just tries to like dress it up better but they do the exact same level of shit most of the time so no i mean that yeah you, you do see it's, it in all those examples you're 100 right yeah so i mean so that that's the phenomenon of a dominated settler colony it's a settler colony where uh the ethnic cleansing is thank god not run to its completion and we are going to fight back and decolonize this place but has run a pretty terrifying course that has, has largely shifted the demographics and in the united states you get to add on the absurd absurd chattel slavery market that was upheld by the south and and by the you know agrarian cotton plantation that led all of the industrialization spin its wheels for everywhere else that was capitalist yep this brought singular schism in the South. The white planter endeavored to keep the Negro at work for his own profit on terms that amounted to slavery and which were hardly distinguishable from it. 
This was the plain voice of the slave codes. On the other hand, the only conceivable ambition of a poor white was to become a planter. Meanwhile, the poor white did not want the Negro to put a profitable work. He wanted the Negro beneath the feet of the white worker. Right here had lain the seed of trouble before the war. All the regular and profitable jobs went to Negroes, and the poor whites were excluded. It seemed after the war immaterial so the poor white that, that, to the poor white that profit from the exploitation of black labor continued to go to the planter. He regarded the process as the exploitation of black folk by the white, not of labor by capital. All right. Now, now the, that is an interesting statement there because that is getting yeah. into some very explicit terms oh no for- yeah again you could tell in this he read marx and he believed in materialism but he wasn't quite on board with marxism yet because yeah. look at the experience he had with with white marxists you yeah. know but this was and i guarantee you this is this is what drew you know harry haywood to try to, to change the cpusa this is uh why a lot of the black liberation movements have been communist and this is why the fact that you know black communist movements um are going to be or or any kind of you know colonized people communist movements you know whether it's black indigenous um you know latin peoples is what's going to have to turn this shit over because these are the people that understand the materialism without throwing it out the window the second race is involved whether that's through white chauvinism that pretends that the white worker is the main exploited one or whether that's this explicit you know race following you know you have to have either a revolution of white workers that completely abandon whiteness which we need to work towards but let's face it the thing that's going to it's not like that's i don't want to say that's never going to happen but what's going to happen first is a full-on revolution by colonized people so the white people aren't going to fix this situation just not makes sense okay we should do our part every, every way we can to educate ourselves and do everything we can to join in the fight to fix this situation but we're not going to lead the fix of the situation because by the time whiteness gets around to it if it ever does colonized people have already done it it's just the way it's going to be yeah um so anyway when then uh, when then yeah when then he faced the possibility of being himself compelled to compete with a negro wage worker while both were heirlings of a white planter his whole soul revolted both uh, i'm sorry he turned therefore from war service to guerrilla warfare particularly against negroes he pointed eagerly he joined eagerly secret organizations like the Ku Klux Klan, which fed this vanity by making him a co-worker with the white planter and gave him his chance to maintain his race superiority by killing and intimidating. We're going to skip that ethnic slur. Um, you know which word that is. And even in secret forays of his own, he could drive away the planter's black help, leaving the land open to white labor, or he could murder two successful freedmen. It was only when they saw the Negro with the vote in his hand, backed by the power and money of the nation, that the poor whites who followed some of the planters into the ranks of scalawags began to conceive of an economic solidarity between white and black workers. In this interval, they received their hands a black voter and his allies a more general right to vote, to hold office, and to receive education, privileges, which the planter had always denied them. But before all this was so established as to be intelligently recognized armed revolt in the South became organized by the planter with the cooperation of the mass of poor whites. Taking advantage of an industrial crisis which throttled both democracy and industry in the North, this combination drove the Negro back towards slavery. 
Finally, the poor whites join the sons of the planters and disenfranchise the black laborer, thus nullifying the labor movement in the South for a half a century and more. Much more. So this is very much more. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is kind of an interesting little nugget of, of knowledge that incredibly I, so. Yeah. I mean, I did not. These are these are things Du Bois got to see that, that that we didn't get to see firsthand where, you know, there was a small period where the white worker realized the black worker was his ally. Uh, but there had been so much recruitment and like the KKK, things like that, that whiteness had a stronghold. And when that whiteness toppled uh, some of those rights they were gaining at the same time as a remember, they're not they're not depressions before the Great Depression. They're they're crises. crises. So when there was a crisis, an economic crisis um, that led to unemployment, it it led to reaction, you know. And so they were trained uh, to blame the black folks and it fell back on it. So basically there's kind of this, this interesting cyclical thing. And it, it brings me back to what I just said where, you know, I, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, white people will never get better in this country. But by the time they do colonize, people have already liberated themselves. Yeah. Uh, it seems like the more black people had liberated themselves – the more white people saw them as equals. Yeah. And so not only does it not make sense that white people would free the black people, and that's a terrible white savior narrative, but you can see materially that it's exactly the opposite. It's not only black people that have to liberate themselves. It's when black people liberate themselves, white people see them as more human. Yep. White people see that they can join in them. White people gain respect for them. And again, you know, there's a mix of like, there's some amount of fear and white people respect them because they have to, because, Oh, now that's the power to reckon with. And I better not cross it or I'm going to get fucked up. I'm sure. Uh, but there's also a mix of people like actually waking up and listening because black people being more empowered have gained more humanity and gained respect. Um, you know, it's one of these things like now it's, it's you have these uprisings and it's like everybody suddenly discovered racism. And this is shit that's been talked about for years and years and years. And a lot of it, most of it is, you know, the ruling class throwing any accommodation that's not material. They can add them, even if they're really actually important ones, like, you know, the statue toppling stuff like that. But some of it is people just suddenly finally listening to things like black lives matter and going, Oh, Oh no, that actually is a thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. It was no less true when they were doing the uprising in Ferguson six years ago. You were no less aware of it. But as it gains power, all of a sudden it, it feels more real. It's not some like delusional faction that you're told that that's the crazy people. It, it feels it's less, you, it's less temporal. It feels like and I don't I don't use this term lightly. It, this feels like gaslighting to a, to a large degree. If you look at the cultural institutions and how they're reacting Mm -hmm. right now think about what in the wake of we were always on your side (laughs) well in the wake of ferguson so again the most i don't i don't want to use it but i'm going to use it the the Mm -hmm. nfl is for lack of a better word a very emblematic thing of america oh yeah it is a huge huge one when ferguson when all of this and when 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 and again it's it's been happening forever it's not like this all just suddenly popped up but when, when no, I mean that's like not like the Rodney King riots weren't in the nineties. It's not exactly. like the Watts Rebellion wasn't in nineteen sixty seven. It's not like the Black Panthers never happened. But things know? build, yeah. things build mm-hmm. in moments, and then so again, the first big one again, Colin Kaepernick. We, the, we all know how that story goes. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yep. And at the time, there was this very obvious. Well, obviously, the NFL is isolating this part of it, no matter what, because their whole base is super rabidly anti, is super racist and super. Super pro Trump, and obviously we're gonna. Mm-hmm. That was like four years ago. It wasn't yeah. a lifetime. It wasn't a generation. <laughs> no. It wasn't a half a decade. It was like four. It years. was a few years ago. Yeah, and now 
to watch them bend over backwards as if they are leading some charge. And we're we're singing the black national anthem before week one, guys. Look at us go like and it's like, well, obviously the times have changed. We're moving. It was four years ago. Nothing materially is different. It is just it is just the optics. It's the optics and the awareness and where Mm -hmm. things are. It is insanity. And again, you know, I mean, there's some amount of people that did respect the issues and of course are the ones fighting are, are, you know, the black people on the ground organizing and and things like that. Uh, There's some amount of people that um, are genuinely waking up. And that's the the phenomenon Du Bois was talking about where they gain humanity and they gain respect and they weirdly become more human as they fight through it themselves, which is, I mean, kind of fucked up and not okay, but, and a genuine objective assessment of reality is, I mean, look, this is a thing that, that happened. And then, of course, there's an enormous amount of cynical backtracking and, and defensive, you know, I say cynicism. that you're, you're, you, you nailed it on the head because I said all that mm-hmm. to say the thing that Du Bois is doing here is it's giving us because we think of history, the longer it goes on, gets mm-hmm. homogenized. And larger periods of time get homogenized. Du Bois is talking about a very specific small period of time, a a one, you know, father to son generation gap where you saw, well, maybe there was this push towards reconciliation and and some sort of understanding with with their black fellow workers and realizing that. Mm -hmm. And no one today when economic crash got smashed no one would even talk about that today like if you were talking to an average person talking about reconstruction era and this you would gloss over that like it's nothing so to pretend like we're making some grand leaps forward with with the concept of racism and oh we're we're, we we recognize that the nfl is going to allow people to take a knee we've really moved forward as a nation don't for a second think that this is not a moment that they can retract and gloss over with a far more reactionary stamp no, in two yeah. seconds if we do not put our foot on the gas and push forward towards an actual change in material I, I conditions. Mean, the, the same thing happened not that long ago, and it was met with Pro. I mean, look how things were in the civil rights movement. You know, yeah. I mean, look how many, look how many, you, you've heard of the hippie, and I'm, and of course, <laughs> hold you know, on now, David, explain are, are, what are hippies are loaded were. with their own racism. No. Uh, the hippies are loaded with their own racism, and, and there's lots of people I know that, I, I, you know, I have met a person that has bragged about the fact that she was put in a paddy wagon, um, you know, uh, protesting against the Vietnam War, right? And she has two kids that she let, join the army to run halfway across the world and murder people. And it's I should like, have laughed at you, that, but come you, the fuck on. That, yeah, I mean, and it's like, don't you fucking tell me what you did during Vietnam. Shut the hell up, lady. Um, you know, I mean, this this is how stuff is. You know, there there's a set, uh, sense of temporal reaction and, and it'll flow away. So, I mean, again, some people's eyes are generally genuinely going to be open and then there's going to be an enormous amount of cynicism. And it's when the cynicism washes away, how much power have you established? And a a good example is to look at. So, I mean, you're and I I don't want to again, we're not trying to center this on ourselves, but personally, no part of both of both of a a huge milestone to both of our kind of waking up to what Mm. was going on, for lack of a better word, was was Ferguson. Ferguson, obviously was within its within its own timeline was quickly sur- surpassed by a white <laughs> such a white supremacist reaction in Charleston and Trump and all these other things that that it gets surpassed so but but the people that do genuinely see this radicalize and move forward every cycle we're doing this 
if there is a just and loving God, we are moving closer towards whatever the the end step of that is. Because again, if you pick up every time you pick up a couple people, that ball gains momentum. You've just got to be making yeah. sure we're we're not losing that or getting complacent on that and thinking that we've we've accomplished something with all of these. There is so much, and I don't remember because again, it feel, it was only four years ago. I just said two seconds yeah. ago. I don't remember. Was there this much performative wokeness? After Ferguson, was there this much? Well, Ferguson was six years ago. The, the oh, okay, a, a much ago. longer period of time. You're right. <laughs> You're right. A reasonable um, amount of time for me to not remember. Yeah, there anything. wasn't. There wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't this this much. I don't think. Um, and even like some of us that it did, you know, fix our politics a lot, um, including you know, especially myself. Some of us it took a little bit too. So you know, it's not like it was as there. immediate as this. You you yeah. ramped way ahead of me, and I was I think even further <laughs> to the left of you when that whole thing started. So again, yeah. it doesn't matter where you are; it just depends on where you end up. Yeah, um, but I mean, the the fact of the matter is is this is a perfect example, and maybe we're dwelling too much on on a nugget that that we've uncovered in the voice that's going to limit this episode to four pages but this is just <laughs> this is just an amazing nugget it's to, such to run a into. good nugget i'm sorry it's a it, very good it, nugget it is and i'm really glad you tied it back to ferguson versus trump because what's going to happen is there are of course going to be us who lived through it who remember it and in the grand scheme of things right there will be direct accurate hi- historians who will research this a la Du Bois and, and have that nugget and have that thing in there but overall depending on who wins you know if this rising tide of of fascism that that's global wins then ferguson and this movement will, will kind of be swept over whereas if if you know this movement that's uprising now wins as i believe will and certainly hope um you know ferguson will be tied to this and the whole election of Trump will just be like, oh, yeah, you know, and then Trump was elected. And that made things worse. Like it'll it'll gloss over like Charleston and the rising tide of, of fascism in you know, like Eastern European countries and Bolsonaro and Brazil and stuff like that. And, and it won't be interconnected. It won't be this huge ebb and flow. It, we'll just think of it as a constant. Yeah. Right. And that's that's what happens in history. And here, you know, this was obviously not a constant. And of course it wasn't. You know, there was back and forth and up and down, even in large sways of attitudes within the working class. Yep. And that being said, because we are absolutely going to limit this to four pages because we are we are nothing (laughs) if not predictable in our in our incompetence. At this, um, I do, and, and again, ours is actual incompetence. This is not being the Democrats. I no, swear. no, no. This is genuine incompetence. This is genuine, well-meaning but dumb. Um, but we're but we're getting there. Um, there is something that I have. I and again, we've we've tweeted out. I'm sure a lot of people will have seen it by now. But if you haven't, there was something that, and I don't know why this particular issue resonates with me so strong. I I, I went there and then learned the history about it afterwards. Um, but, but uh, there's been a lot of talk on, uh, obviously monuments are coming down. Things are coming down. There's been a lot of jokes about, you know, oh, final boss of, of monument takedown, Mount Rushmore, yada, yada, yada. Um, obviously the, the, (laughs) the things that happen to indigenous people in this country are Mm -hmm. unconscionable. And if at some point we are going to, in the same way we are, we are reading, you know, black reconstruction and, and struggling with one one group of people that were oppressed in this country i have a feeling pretty you know at you know at some point we're going to need to reckon with what what happened with indigenous people in this country in a similar Absolutely. way uh, but they're there but mount rushmore is just so 
the way it was it's such an egregious example of the way it's been done um but it's either like three or four indigenous nations where um in a, a faith perspective because their their faith like ours is you know people and timelines and and stories and their their religions are, are much more tied to a place right mm-hmm. like physical land and connection and multiple nations that was basically the the garden of eden that was the start of life there are um multiple nations where i mean this was essentially it's it's their garden of eden and it was really taken and this this was part of the whole you know grant and custer wars and things like that to my understanding but it was really taken uh because there was gold found there and they were mining it for gold and then when there wasn't much gold out of it there was just faces it was completely defiled to blast faces and lionize american presidents into it it became a monument and a park and and something you can't you know walk up to and and it just grotesque grotesque yeah Grotesque is the correct word. And and so in our tradition of just reading things verbatim as we do, there was a uh, something that, that struck me again, that there was a, uh, a immediate press release again from the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. Um, yes. cha- uh, Chairman Harold Frazier released a statement on America on the removal of American presidents carved into the sacred Black Hills, which is exactly how you should refer to what that is. It's not a monument. It's we we graffitied a historic. A, a religion, a sacred place. We came up and tagged it with some bullshit faces of garbage human beings. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to read that statement very quickly for you. Uh, Eagle Butte, South Dakota. Nothing stands as a greater reminder to the great Sioux nation of a country that cannot keep a promise or treaty than the faces carved into our sacred land on what the United States calls Mount Rushmore. We are now being forced to witness the lashing of our land with pomp, arrogance, and fire, hoping our sacred land will survive. This brand on our flesh needs to be removed, and I am willing to do it free of charge to the United States by myself if I must. Visitors look upon the faces of those presidents and extol the virtues that they believe makes America the country that it is today. Lakota see the faces of the men who lied, cheated, and murdered innocent people whose only crime was living on the land they wanted to steal. The United States of America wishes for all of us to be citizens and a family of their republic. Yet when they get bored of looking at those faces, we are left looking at our molesters. We are the ones who live under the stare of those who have wronged us, while others have the privilege to look away and move on. We cannot. When I can remove those faces from our land, I believe I would not be alone. Chairman Harold, Harold Frazier. Mm-hmm. Uh, can guarantee you, you wouldn't be 100% alone, Chairman, because <laughs> at least one fucking dumb but well-meaning white guy from the middle of Missouri would walk his ass to help you tear that shit down if I had the opportunity. <laughs> if there, If that party is going down... I swear to God, I will help you swing the hammer because God it, damn it. And and when we, you know, it, it is, you, you say final boss of, of you know, monument destruction. It yeah. is. Oh, yeah. It's, it is. is. Big time. You need to realize that 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 is, again, I get it. I've, I'm, part, I'm partaking in it. I'm with you. It is. It's, you know, we, we feel this movement happening and we see it. But yeah. I cannot 
reckon with the 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 gravity and i think that statement does it justice the gravity of how how just obscene what that monument is i mean stone mountain in georgia is awful mount rushmore Mm. is worse Mm -hmm. you give me the option i'll take down mount rushmore before i go after stone mountain because at least we recognize that the confederates were fucking losers and fucking pathetic right we don't do that to to tear that yeah i mean this is this is not making any apology we need to tear down every confederate statue as fast as we can the fucking ground that's not the point if we're going to if we're going to prioritize something let's prioritize the legendarily defiled holy site that people look at and still see a good thing like the only people that that look at at you know down in georgia um and still see a good thing are are so married to white supremacy already that that's not moving the needle no right but there are a bunch of moderate or uneducated just getting the regular like you know elementary school or, or shit Phineas Ferb level education of history. I will and, not have you going, de- denigrate the good names of comrades Phineas and or Ferb. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, they're, they're looking at that and going like, Oh yeah, those are, those are the great presidents. Those are the four big presidents. to the point that it's a culture thing to the thing where it's like, you know, you talk about like sports or music and it's like, Oh, who's on your Mount Rushmore. And it's like, what the fuck? kind of question is that how do you normalize the and again to use the word that mm-hmm. we're we're left to look at our molester how do you normalize yeah. what is so traumatic for a group mm-hmm. of people just for and again i'm out and if anyone disagrees with me come here come on the show i'll, I'll you can come on the show come on now come on down now mm-hmm. i will fight you it is the most <laughs> depressing stupid unimpressive piece of garbage i have ever seen i literally got told six months before i was going i got told we're going we're gonna go see it i was like fuck yeah because i was like 12 at the time i'm like let's go do it and we drove our happy asses across these great states of ours and i went to go see that thing and i was all jet we're walking inside let's go see it oh i mean that's stupid I will say that it it look here's the thing I hate I hate taking this approach because even if it was great even if it was everything it was cracked up to be it was we should still, still be, be just a as fucking molestation and a fucking desecration yeah. of sacred land but it's not even yeah, a the good fa- desecration fuck it the fact that it sucks is not the actual problem but it does kind of suck me. I will say that yeah <laughs> if they kicked ass and they were playing sweet guitar solos all right well I obviously. Hard, heavy, sorry. y'all, y'all know, y'all know, but, but for real, it is, it is it's just so bad. It's, it's yeah. so bad and it, it needs, we need to, again, we have the scars of what we've done are still out there and some of them we're recognizing now yeah. are atrocious and should be removed and excised from this nation's history. That's the one that people keep pretending is a joke and it shouldn't be treated as such. It should be treated extremely seriously for the crime that it is against the native people of this nation. And and the quicker we get to that point, the quicker that that there are not that it's not just the chairman having to go tear it down by himself, the the better we'll be as a as a country. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, the only thing we talk about, you know, material overperformance. It's not like the performing things are bad. It's not like cultural things are bad. It's not like we we don't need, you know, 
uh, people to stop airing episodes of comedies that, that have people putting on blackface or, you know, I mean, the, it's not like we don't need people to change the names of sport teams. We're not against these things happening. They're just not enough compared to the material impacts. And that is one where the lines between material are a little blurred. I would still much rather, you know, bring power and wealth back to the people who this land belongs to and put them back in charge of the land far, far over getting, uh, you know, just rid of that monument. And of course, you know, they would just get rid of that monument with that power anyway. Uh, but considering what that site is and how defiling it is, that would be a huge one to tear down. Yeah. I mean, there's people that realize that, that the ruling class is doing every kind of bullshit they can to not actually fix the problem and throwing every little unimpactful thing they can at us. And they'll, they'll say things like, no one asked for this. And it's like, except for, you know, the, the mud faced golden girls that isn't actually blackface, people did ask for all yeah, this. We did ask um, for that. Don't you come at Betty yeah. White. I'll, I'll cut uh, you. But, um, you know, but I mean, people did ask for, for getting rid of all these other things and toppling Columbus statues. And it is great. So I don't, I'm sure there are people that have felt, you know, some great feeling of, of reacclamation. I feel like that weren't, that wasn't way, there a but, group of AIM members specifically that took down, I feel it, was it in Philadelphia? Yeah. That took down that again, mm-hmm. we're obviously speaking. If you, if you are an indigenous person whose people were persecuted by mm-hmm. Columbus and you're able to literally tear down the statue of someone that oppressed your ancestor. Mm-hmm. I do not for a second think I'm yeah. trying to minimize that level of retributive justice. That yep. being said, this has been a uh, a different episode of Mark's Madness. It's it has. <laughs> we did four pages. We did some other stuff. We you did say some things. different. We've done four pages before. You're, you're not wrong. We've done. We honest to God, someone. <laughs> If you're out there and you know what the lowest number of pages we've ever pulled off and justified as saying it was a full episode is, let me know. But I think four is going to be pretty, pretty close. Someone, Someone's going to start like a, a website dedicated to tracking how many pages we've got. Through if the you're that, episode. track those and then track our typos and then put those together and find me the map <laughs> to it. communism that we're going to build with those. Oh, we're going to get let there. Let the typos go. I, I will not. I will not. I won't. I won't let them. I'm don't. bad at typing. I'm only. I'm only a computer programmer. I only no. Type yeah. All day yeah. No. I'm no. David, bad at typing. David, let it be known that the episode, that the weekly episodes are done by David, and therefore all typos can be directed to me because that's that's what that that is my role. I'm here. I am the bullet shield. I'm just that weird meme of the soldier putting my hands up and protecting David from any and all criticism. <laughs> that is my role, and I respect it. Uh, <laughs> If you wanted to send us feedback about our uh, typos and or our various misrepresentations of Native American landmarks, uh, you can direct those to one of three places. First and foremost, send them to our email. It's marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. We check that. Um, if you send something uh, that needs like reviewed or looked at, like a, like a piece of work or something, we are a little bit slower getting back to those because we do want to be thoughtful with those and not just like spit something back right away. And we, we do stuff during the week, but, uh, but we will absolutely, if you send us something, I promise you we will respond. We're just going to probably be slow. Um, the second place you can find us is on Twitter. We're at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter. You can either just, you know, jump in, reply on the timeline or DMs are open. You're more than welcome to jump in there. Um, and we will interact and have fun and high five and dunk on other stuff together. Um, last but not least, if you want to have some real time flowing conversation, uh, discord, the discord that we squat in and sort of one quarter own or throw up ownership rights to is 
Dumb and Awful's Discord. The link to that is in our Twitter bio. Uh, if you don't have that link, you can email me and say, hey, get me the link, and I will send it to you. Uh, and that's more for like regular talking to people and having a good support group and stuff. We had a, a cool comrade chat last night where everyone just hopped in voice chat and if anyone was dealing with something, we all just kind of talked about it for a while. It was fun. It's good times. So join if you want to take part in that. Uh, David, I feel like we have another disclaimer in a couple episodes. You want to, you want to disclaim some yeah, stuff for me? We, we probably have done it a couple episodes. It's just been so long for us. But well, nonetheless, it, it's um, been I a like month since I've heard disclaimer. you do the disclaimer. Can you do it for me personally, Nathan? <laughs> Um, but that said, uh, and I love how it's called the disclaimer, um, <laughs> that said, uh, you know, the point of this podcast always is that hopefully you're in a party um, or an organization that is doing a reading group. And this is an enhancement of the reading group, you know, going back over the book, adding more context, things like that. Um, it saved that. Hopefully this can be your reading group and add context and, and things to the reading. Um, if it needs to be your cliff notes in cases where we summarize or ebook with extra details in cases where we don't, uh, as long as we make this accessible to you and always remember that theory is to sharpen praxis and praxis is theory and action. They go hand in hand. They are not two separate things that are divided together, uh, but they, they go hand in hand with each other and should always be, uh, fully intertwined uh, and make sure obviously you're going out there and you're of course doing the praxis you're adding that to this theory so that they can be intertwined especially at a time like this um, obviously if you are a, uh, a seasoned organizer you know I mean more power to you um, for anyone who is not don't be afraid to be you know a rag and file participant and organize action or uh, a very humble organizer that is listening to more experienced organizers um, whatever you can do to further the movement and when time comes obviously you know organization will fall to you as needed uh, but don't go out there with some goal of like taking things over and assuming that these these you know seasoned organizers that have driven us to this great uprising that we're in uh don't know what they're doing you know this in spite of what the news has told you when it does cover this and i know the news is not covering this even though the uprisings are ongoing every bit as much as they were when it first started they haven't slowed down a bit the police brutality against them has not slowed down a bit um but in spite of what the narrative was when it was being covered of these being spontaneous these are not spontaneous obviously there's always a spontaneous spark but these are things that are the result of years long organizing and uh so make sure you're listening to the organizers that that got us there that know what they're doing uh that understand you know Peaceful protest as a strategy, not, you know, realizing that it's not a moral good, but going out there and trying to get yourself arrested and trying to get people, you know, arrested and, and harmed is, is not going to make, you know, magically save the movement and don't be an adventurist, but, but, you know, take a backseat that people know what they're doing. And when you do have a rightful criticism, you know, bring it up in organizing spaces where appropriate, uh, and, and make sure that, that they're aware of it and that wherever you're organizing can work through it. And if they don't take the criticism, well, maybe that's, you know, a signed to, to organize someplace else um but always be aware that for every bit of advice you know you've got one mouth and two ears listen a whole hell of a lot more to these season organizers and that has been your uh kindergarten axiom of the day from david with <laughs> <laughs> along with a goddamn good disclaimer that gets better every time uh We'll be back with you all next week uh, and every week until the end of linear time. My name is Nathan. My name's David. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.